This morning, I have some things I want to share with you, and I think you would agree with me. This is a time that there is a lot of fear going on in our world, a lot of darkness, a lot of fear, and things that I call monsters, and you'll understand why. I want us to look at Matthew. Let me say again, Raymond, I appreciate you coming so much. That was such a blessing. That really blessed my heart. I truly had chills. Loved it. Loved it. We're going to look at Matthew 4, beginning at 12 through 17. Matthew 4, beginning at 12. And I encourage you to uh, keep your Bibles with you if you haven't, because I'm going to tell you a lot of scriptures at the end that you will want to go back and reread. So get a pen and paper if you have it, and uh, uh, go back and read the scriptures that I'm going to share with you at the very end. The title of this section is Jesus Begins to Preach. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake and the area of Zebulun and Napdula, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Nepula, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. Remember that scripture. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As a child, I had a very specific and special way of going to bed. We didn't have a switch on the wall for the light. We had a chain from the middle of the room that pulled the light on and off. And I would get out in the middle of the floor as far away as I could from my bed. And then I would pull the chain, turn off the light. Then I would get a running start. And as just as soon as I thought I could make it into the bed, I would jump as high as I could to land in the middle, if at all possible. That was my goal, to get in the middle. Then I would position myself in a very particular way. I would lie on my side, draw up into a neat little ball. Ever done that? I would draw my knees up and my arms in and make myself as small as I possibly could. That way, nothing was hanging over the edges or hanging out from underneath the covers. As small as possible was my goal. Now, you have to understand, for a young child, five or six years of age, I really thought there were scary things and monsters under the bed. And you have to understand, as a five or six-year-old, this was a well-thought-through and well-executed strategic plan. Took a lot of thought. You see, I was sure that I had to protect myself from those monsters living under my bed. And I did not want to take a chance that while I was asleep and vulnerable, they could reach over the edge and grab me. Nights were not a good time for this little girl. 
To this day, when I fall asleep, I make sure nothing is hanging over the side. Monsters, darkness, closets, things that go bump in the night. Does it sound familiar to any of you? A child's fear of darkness is one of the most universal and consistent fears. For darkness is the place where the wild things are, where there's fears, where there's ugly, terrible, scary creatures lie in anticipation, waiting for us to be off guard. Remember that childhood prayer, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul will keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That childhood prayer literally struck fear in my heart every time I said it, and it was every night. I guess I was different than most little people. I was a deep thinker. I was the one that always asked, just what does that mean? What is it really saying? Mom said I overanalyzed everything, and I did, and I still do, to Wayne's dismay. <laughs> He's shaking his head, yes. If I should die before I wake, what could happen? is what I was thinking. What might happen that would keep me from waking up in the morning? The only two people that I knew that had died when I was a child died at night. When Dad and my Grandpa and my Uncle Joe got together, they always told the scariest stories. Of course, they told them to be true. This happened down on Annie Hill, and this happened in such and such a house, and just on and on and on. Night was a scary time for me when I was a child. When I was small, about six, we were out in the yard and we were playing hide-and-go-seek, which was a constant thing for us. And we had company, and my cousins were there, and we were all running around in the dark and everything, and we had hid, and I was running to get a better place, and just as I turned the corner of the house, my cousin jumped out behind a bush and grabbed me. Well, I just passed plumb out. Just went out, laying on the ground. I woke up, came to, is a better way to put it, and Mom was there holding my hand, saying, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. And everything was right with the world again. Mom always told me that that incident was why I was so convinced there were monsters in the dark. But all I know is, it sure made for some long, sleepless nights for me. Isn't it odd? The reality is, places and situations that look innocent by daylight become avenues of terror and fright by night. By day, a closet is a very miraculous place to play if you're a youngster. But it is a scary thing in the dark. By night, monsters can hide in there. For most of us, becoming adults helps the situation tremendously. I don't run and I don't jump into bed anymore. You can ask Wayne. But we still wrestle with fears. Even as adults, we have those monsters that are very, very real. Fears that taunt us. Fears that haunt us. That question of, am I a loving, understanding wife? 
Am I a caring and loving husband? Am I raising my children correctly? Am I the best example for my grandchildren? Will I get that promotion at work? Can I keep my children off drugs? Can I pay the bills this month? Why is it I never seem completely satisfied or happy? Today, we're afraid of will I or someone I love contract this virus? Will I unknowingly give it to someone else? Will the anger that we see around us, will the hate and unrest that we're seeing all around us, will it ever end? And we can go on and on. We all have a list. What is on your list? The most important question is, where is God in the midst of all the chaoticness in our lives? Where is God in the midst of my chaotic life? By day, we function pretty well through the maze of life, paying the bills, getting the family taken care of. We even manage to eat high-fiber diets and low-fat diets once in a while, in my case. While we are busy getting everything done that we need to do, we handle it okay, pretty well. But when our world slows down, the fears creep. Let me change that. The fears jump right in there. They rush into the darkness. They rush into our lives. Matthew 4 that I read for you, 16 says, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. As adults, we still have a lot of darkness in our world. It's when the darkness closes in around us that we become afraid and unsure. There are monsters in the darkness. They take on new forms, but they're still there. There is the darkness of the monster betrayal. When a friend or a loved one, after many, many years of being together in a close relationship, betray you in one way or another, that is a terrible monster, and it deals with our heart and our emotions. The monster of regret. Many people get caught up in regrets so that they truly cannot enjoy today. They cannot enjoy and, and look for the future because they're so caught up in the regrets in their lives. You see this a lot at funeral homes. When you hear people say, if only I had, and sometimes if only I hadn't. There is that great monster of suffering when you or someone you love bears a pain that you cannot remove or carry. Such a helpless, helpless feeling. There are physical pains, but oftentimes it's the emotional pains that are the biggest monsters we have to confront. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Remember that. Remember that. The people who have sat in darkness have seen a great light. Do you recall what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night in an unfamiliar place and there's no lights? 
Sometimes a nightlight will have been left on. And what a reassurance and calming effect that tiny, tiny glow down the hall provides. Years ago, it's been a long time, there was a commercial on TV. I think it was for an insurance company. And you hear in the background this little small voice. And she said, Dad, did you check the closet? And you hear Dad reply, no monsters here. And then the child asks, Dad, did you check under the bed? And Dad replies, no monsters here. And as he begins to go out of the room, the little child asks, Dad, would you leave the hall light on, please? I loved that commercial. Children have us parents and grandparents to look under the beds, to look in the closets, to leave the light on. But who leaves the light on for we adults? We need light to give us peace of mind and calm of soul, especially today. When I was young, about eight, my brother was nine. He's only 18 months older than me. We decided that we were old enough to go trick-or-treating by ourselves. It took a lot of convincing, but finally, mom and dad agreed. But their last words before we left the house was, better be home before dark. We headed off down the gravel road. We lived out in the country, and we were going pretty good, getting quite a haul, getting lots, lots of goodies. We lived just about maybe half a mile from Cairo. Now, Cairo was our little town. We had two grocery stores with gas pumps and a church. That was Cairo. That was all of it. But that's where the bulk of the people were. And like I said, we were getting really, really good treats, homemade popcorn balls and caramel-dipped apples. I mean, we were doing good. And we just kept going and kept going. And finally, we realized it's getting dark. We better head home. And before we knew it, it was pitch black. And my brother and I were arm in arm right in the middle of the road. And thanks to my overanalyzing mind, I knew without a doubt there were ditches full of monsters, especially witches, Halloween night. All of a sudden, we saw these two huge eyes about four or five feet apart. And I looked at my brother and I said, how big does that thing have to be with eyes that far apart? We literally froze. Couldn't talk, couldn't move. After that one question came out of my face, that was it. We were frozen stiff. And then suddenly I heard my mother's voice go, there they are. And we realized they weren't eyes at all. They were flashlights. And everything was good again. Of course, we got a little talking to because we didn't get home for dark, but we got home safe. Yes, there are still, still fears, even as adults. Sometimes I think more so for adults because other people depend on us. But here's the good news. 
The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region of shadow of death, light has dawned. Isn't that beautiful? In Jesus Christ came the dawning of the light. Jesus brings light. Jesus brings calm. Jesus brings warmth. And he brings security. Peace. All we have to do is bask in its glow. Have you ever noticed plants growing? As they grow, they begin to lean toward the sun's warm light. It's that very light that gives them life. In the same way, our exposure to the light of Christ beckons us to grow toward him. To live in the warmth of his glow and to reflect that light to others. My friends, I don't care how mature you are in years, how much you may think you have achieved in life. There are times of darkness in our lives, monsters that we must deal with. But we don't need to remain in the darkness alone with our fears and monsters, our faults and our failures. The light of Jesus Christ chases the darkness away and places it with glorious light. Moses faced a real monster when he faced Pharaoh. Pharaoh could have had him murdered at any second. But you see, the confidence that Moses had was because he knew he was not alone. God was with Moses as he faced that giant. David faced Goliath. For any normal child, they would have been scared senseless. But David knew as he stood there facing that giant, he was not alone. God was with David. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they faced a giant They faced a fire. But again, they knew they were not alone. They knew God was with them. We have scary things in our lives that we too have to face. But the beautiful thing is we don't face them alone when we claim Christ for our Lord. We need to know in our heart and our mind and our soul that we're not alone. We need to claim that. We are not alone. We are with God. God is with us in power. Satan is darkness. And he wants us to stay in that darkness, afraid and alone. For that's when we're vulnerable. But Christ is the light where there is comfort and calm, peace and joy. John 1, 3, 5 says... What has come into being is uh, in him was life. And the life was the light of the people. The light shines in darkness. The darkness did not overcome it. It didn't then. It will not now. It never will. Christ will enter the dark corners of our lives. And he will lead you into light. But like a drowning person, we have to reach out our hand. We must reach out our hand.
These are especially hard, scary days. But praise God, we do not face it alone. We're never alone in the darkness. Praise be to God. I have six reasons here. Excuse me, five. Five reasons. No, six. Six. Six reasons why we should trust God. The first one is Isaiah 43.1. He knows your name. Isaiah 43.1. Now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by your name. You are mine. Isn't that comforting? He knows your very name. Scripture says he knows every hair on your head. Number two, Exodus 14, 14. He will fight for you. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. In other words, let God have the fight. We're not strong enough. We're not big enough. But through our prayers, we give it to God. And God is. Number three, Psalm 139, 17. He thinks about you. Psalm 139, 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh my God. Number four, Jeremiah 29, 11. He has plans for you. I love that. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Let me read that one again. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Number five, Psalm 6, excuse me, tw well, Psalm 62, verses 6 through 8. He is your refuge. Psalm 62, 6 through 8. Truly, he is my rock, my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depends on God. He is my mighty rock. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Wow. Six, Matthew twenty-eight twenty. He is always with you. This is, if I had to pick out one sentence in the whole Bible to sustain me through life, it's this one sentence. The very last sentence of Matthew 28, 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now listen to that. This is God's promise. He's talking to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. Surely I am with you always 
to the very ends of the age. And the church said, Amen. Amen. And I would add, praise God. My friends, I hope. No, my prayer for you today is that you seek God. That you lay all of these things that haunt you, that worry you, that cause you anxiety, even depression. Give them to God. I am with you always. I am with you always. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. God says, I have plans to give you hope and a future. What more do we need? Let's pray.